Good evening and welcome to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here along with science advisor Matt Moniz. We are here to talk about the paranormal as we are each and every Saturday night. Excited to be here with you. Uh, I'm excited to get back to talking about the paranormal because uh, this all this week on my Midnight Society program on Midnight FM, we were dealing with cult week. We, we spent an entire week looking at cults inside and out, top to bottom, talking with not only cult experts, but also with people who had escaped from cults, people who grew up in cults and had gotten out of the grasp of cults. And it was quite an interesting week on that program. If, uh, if you want to check it out, you can go to midnight.fm and, and sign up for a membership there, and that will allow you to... to access all of the previous episodes, but it was quite harrowing to hear some of those stories, to hear the things that people went through when they were part of cults. Moniz, I don't know if you, uh, I don't know if you've ever known anybody that's been part of a cult uh, that has, you know, escaped and had to go through the reacclimation process into society, but man, it was, it was tough hearing some of these stories. Uh, meeting people personally. Yeah, that have been in, I've been I've met people that were in cults. Um, not af- after the fact. I've seen plenty of documentaries on them. So, I think you know. I started off the week uh, talking to a cult expert, Rick Allen Ross, who is one of the world's foremost experts in cults and helping people escape from cults, and actually goes and does that work. You know, actually goes and pulls people out of these organizations, and. That was a good way to start the week, and I was I was okay with it because I was very much in like the true crime documentary mode. And then on Tuesday night, I talked to somebody who not only was part of Scientology and escaped Scientology, but who was part of the Sea Organization and worked on a daily basis with L. Ron Hubbard and spent you know eight hours a day around him. And, and that was that was a little bit you know starting to hear the way that those people were treated. And then by the time we got to Wednesday. Started off okay, had a cult expert on for the first half of the show, and it was okay, you know, it was, you know, it was, yeah. it's it's tough to hear this information, but then the second half of the show, we had someone on who had grown up in and escaped from the 12 tribes, and that was just heartbreaking. I mean, to hear her story, and by the way, the 12 tribes, they operate locally. Um, have you ever been to downtown Plymouth? Of course. Have you been to the Blue Blinds Bakery? Mm, no, um, I, I, I believe I know where it is. I think yeah. there's uh, also, I think it's the Common Sense Coffee Shop or a, a Common something or other. They use Common and then something, you know, different variations yeah. of that in different places. And then they're opening up the Yellow Deli. So all of those businesses are owned by 12 tribes, which is a cult. Okay. And... Not a very good cult from the stories that our guest was telling us uh, about uh, abuse and uh, manipulation. They all live in a, uh, they have a compound over by Jordan Hospital. It was, it was very heartbreaking to hear her story and to hear the way that her family, you know, had to cut ties with her and, and basically disown her because she left and they didn't. So... It's just it was it was heartbreaking. I, I would I would I would never want to get involved in it. But as they say, you know, nobody plans to get involved in a cult. cult yeah. They they don't realize that that's what it is. But and of course, the vow 
is airing right now on HBO about Nexium, which is another one of these cult organizations. And they all seem to start similarly with, you know, at least the, the you know, the modern ones with self-help, you know, building up your self-worth and self-esteem and, 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 yeah. and all that. And, and it's just, uh, it's, it's amazing the manipulation that goes on. And before you even realize you're being manipulated, if you even do it all, it's too late. So, uh, it was quite the week. If you want to listen to it again, you can become a member at midnight.fm. That's the website that uh, airs the the weeknight show, but it also simulcasts this show. So hello to everybody that's listening on midnight.fm. Uh, hello to everybody that's listening via the Paranormal Radio app, and of course to all of our friends on WBSM. I think we're on WBSM. I think, yeah, yeah. It's, they, were, they were running. I don't know. You really can't tell anymore. Well, they took down the sign, so that... It's, 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 if you know, no, it's the Red Sox that I don't know anything about anymore. I haven't paid attention to the Red Sox at all. Who are they? Yeah. And so I don't know if there was a Red Sox game on, uh, because we would be able to still come in here and broadcast on the app and all that stuff. So I didn't even bother to check. So we'll know because if the phones light up and it's anybody but Lamone, then you'll know we're on locally. And tonight we're going to have a guest joining us in a little bit. Tonight we're going to be talking with Tony Rathman, who is a paranormal investigator. And uh, we're going to talk to him about his work. He's the founder and lead investigator of Entity Voices. And he's an EVP ITC specialist. Uh, And he actually is somebody who has uh, 10 years of experience in the paranormal world. And he works alongside with his co-founder and wife. It works out pretty well that way. Uh, Sherry Rathman, uh, or maybe Sherry, I'll ask Tony how to pronounce it right when we have him come on. But we'll talk about uh, them. They are a husband and wife paranormal team located in Phoenix, Arizona. And I want to get into them, the idea of the way that they record these spirit voices. Because I, you know, a friend of mine sent me some of her paranormal equipment that she doesn't use any longer. And there are two really good handheld recorders. I'm talking like a Zoom, you know, H4 uh, and a, an Olympus. Olympus, good. Uh, you know, the ones with the, the parabolic yeah, yeah, mics. Yeah. And yeah. so it's 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 really, you know, to me, that's the way that you should be recording audio. Not the way that these people do it with going out with these, uh, you know, the old Panasonic, the one that's uh, the DR60 there, the one that's, you know, known for all its internal noise. The argument that they make is that internal noise is what helps the sound come through. The argument that I make is, okay, that works when you're somebody that has a discerning ear and you've spent you know, plenty of time listening through this audio. But if you're just the average person, first of all, if you're the, uh, you know, just a person that's asking somebody to come in and investigate and then you're going to play them this clip, they're going to say, it just sounds like a bunch of noise from your recorder. Uh, and also... I don't know if every investigator has a discerning enough ear to be able to tell what's background, you know, what's what's yeah. uh, mechanical noise and what isn't. So, uh, and I shouldn't say mechanical because it's still digital, but there's there's mechanical what, parts in it that what's can, what what uh, well, what's the really, what's what's the word that I'd be looking of electronic noise. Yeah, more like static and hiss, yeah. you know, and and just because the the filters on it aren't aren't as good. You know, if you pull out your cell phone, no matter what cell phone you have, unless you have like a flip phone, but, you know, if you have a smartphone, chances are if you pull it out and you open up the recorder on that, that's a better quality recorder these days than these handheld devices that people are walking around with, unless you have the high-end ones. Yeah. You know, but if you go into Walmart 
and you grab the the $25 digital recorder off off the shelf. I don't think they've and, and I use those kind of recorders all the time in, in my day job work. I don't think they've really upgraded the quality of those in probably 5 or 6 years. If that. You're being generous. I was going to say at least 15 to 20. Right. I mean, it's just it's not something that is necessary. Well, it's it's you're dealing with a solid state type of um Me- uh, uh, mechanisms recording as opposed to a purely digital form in your phone okay the your different types of technology yeah, will and, record things differently and well but even those are even those are probably you know better than when people were going around with analog yeah uh, in terms of you know in you terms mean of like me back in the day with my old cassette recorders well yeah. yeah but i mean in terms of you know you're not getting that internal noise but the other argument for it is that they also don't have physical buttons like they have physical buttons but they don't have you know the big buttons that you have to yeah, press that's what i'm saying it, there is a mechanical portion to some of them but, but it's but it's only starting it's so easy to to you know go to put it down and accidentally turn it off or to you know put it in your back pocket and turn it on accidentally like and then yeah. the next thing you know you don't have any space left or your battery's gone or what have you you know at least with the old mechanical you know analog versions you not only had to hit record you had to hit play and record, record. at the same time so i mean you you really had to or if you, intend you had to the really fancy one and had the little red insert thing where you just press that and it did press both if, for if, you. yeah <laughs> it kind of was cheating a little bit there yeah uh, but so those 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 recorders when they're so I'm excited to to bring bring those out. I'm actually going to be doing a live episode of Midnight Society this week remotely, uh, and by remotely I mean I mean I do all the yeah, shows remotely. Yeah. I do them from my house, but I get to go out into a haunted location and broadcast. Uh, so it'll be from the um, Reverend Keith Parsonage in West Bridgewater, where yep. we investigated a few years ago. Uh, we're going to do the event there because I'm trying to find these historical locations where we can, you know, not the places that you've heard about all over the place. Uh, you know, obviously Lizzie Borden, we'll, we'll do one there eventually, but like the whole world knows about Lizzie Borden. I'm trying to find little smaller places we can shine a spotlight on, especially at this time when, you know, every tourist that comes through and pays $5 to take a tour makes a difference. So uh, we're going to be focusing on the Reverend Keith Parsonage on this, uh, this coming Friday, and uh, I think Stephanie's going to come by. I know that uh, Len Hunt's going to come by. I think Peggy's probably going to come too. But um, they are going to come and share their experiences uh, from investigating there and kind of talk about West Bridgewater haunts overall because that's where they live. Yeah. And Len spent many, many years as the as the chief of the fire department there. So he can give us some insight as well. So I'm excited for that. Anybody out there that has access to a historic haunted location that you think would be good for a live broadcast, just reach out to me. Tim at SpookySouthCoast.com, and uh, we'll we'll try and see if we can work it out to make it happen. But it's 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 nice to be back in a haunted place after having to stay home for all those months and to get you know going to the Oliver House uh, a few weeks ago and being able to kind of just sit in there and you know it's going to sound weird, but Moni's going to know what I'm talking about to smell history again. Yeah, right. you know, <laughs> to know sit exactly to sit yeah. there and to say ah, oh, you know, this is. And, and to, to, to be on alert again for activity, you know, that's, I'm saying you know a lot. I'm going to try and stop that. But that's something that is, you, we've built that up over many years, and then you take some time off, and it's like, oh, you, you kind of got to learn to ride the bike again. Yep. 
So at least getting there and doing live broadcast, while it's not an investigation, at least it kind of gets you back into that mindset a little bit. Well, usually what winds up happening is activity does also end to pick back up because things haven't been you know, saturated with people running about. A lot of these places are used to having tons and tons of people go through now. You know, granted, you know, COVID happens and nobody can go anywhere. So things can pick up. And uh, when you start going back, you, you, you get to notice more again because things are, you know, changed. I think, too, that as, as events are starting to happen again, which I'm not. 100% comfortable with uh, the way that some of them are being run. I mean, I know Stephanie is running some events, but they're being super cautious about it because she's all already gone through this all. So, you know, she doesn't want to have somebody else go through that same thing. So, agreed. It they're, sucks. They're taking they're taking the precautions, but I see all these other events that are happening, and I'm like, you aren't the kind of person that takes the precautions that are necessary when there isn't a pandemic happening and now you're going to go and now I'm going to trust you with the health of other people when you know you weren't even worried about if people needed to sign a waiver or if you needed to carry insurance on events like that and that's the other problem too is these events if you're doing these events correctly and not everybody does but if you're doing them correctly you have to take out insurance correct and the problem is is I've put in for some insurance on potential events just to get a quote and they won't cover the event because of the COVID they're saying no, because if something happens to somebody, we're not paying that out and we can't guarantee that you're going to take all the precautions that need to be taken to make sure that people are safe. And we can't guarantee that the people are going to take all Pro the precautions. Yeah. So it's, it's a dangerous, dangerous thing. Now you can get around that if you have uh, you know, if the location has insurance, those insurance companies are probably, you know, not as concerned with that or covering that. But, you know, I have to get it from like these single day event companies. Right. And it's it's a lot harder. The high risk liability insurances that you get for covering right. these things. And, yeah. I, and I don't think people understand, but they're not cheap. Yeah. It's it, it, it usually runs between two hundred and four hundred dollars to carry the insurance for these events. So for one day. And for a couple of hours. Yeah. And also, it's a matter of, you know, they might put on their website that uh, an outdoor event or uh, an indoor event or whatever, they might, you know, quote it on the website as like $150. But then when you start to tell them the nature of the information and what goes on at the event, then there's uh, an extra charge for that, an extra charge for that, an extra charge for that. So for, just for an example, if you have a location where there's going to be multiple buildings where you're going to be investigating, that adds on because uh -huh. now they're insuring people going from building to building. building. The transit, and yeah. And so it, it turns into a big problem. When we did the, the Bridgewater event, uh, you know, we had to, everything had to be completely above board because the town was concerned. And the town was making sure that we had all of our, you yep. know, T's dotted and I's crossed. And uh, yeah, yeah, we'll and, go with that. And so when, when and we had to provide all this information, we had to provide where we were going to have people parking, how people were going to walk. Uh, the fire department was going to limit us in the number of people that could be involved. Uh, so there was all of these 
qualifications that we had to hit. And the insurance company said, wait, what? You're having people go from the the one location to driving over to another location? Uh, that's going to be another you know extra yeah. couple of hundred dollars. So it's just... I mean, first of all, I mean, it was it, a pretty good event. I it, liked how it insurance all for these things is a racket. Yeah, you know, yeah. because the the if if I had gone out and and gotten a bus and had the bus drive everybody over and had the bus be insured under the under the bus's own insurance, getting the bus probably would have been cheaper than what I had to pay for the insurance for it. You know what yeah. what we had to spend on the insurance, but still, like, if you're going to get involved in these and do them right there's really not a lot of things that can go on right now based on the way that these insurance companies are covering it. So uh, it just makes me a little bit nervous. So think about that before you go to a ghost hunt event. Uh, think about, and this should be something that you follow anytime, even when there isn't a pandemic. True. Ch- check out the reputation of the people that are involved. Because there's a lot of places that have been doing these, uh, well, I mean, I, I won't name the company. But there's a company out there that likes to put all over social media that they're doing an in-person ghost event, and they advertise being at some of the biggest haunted locations in the world, you know, especially ones around here, and you can go to their website and buy their t- buy the tickets now. But they haven't yet booked the location for those dates. So the way they were doing it is they were, it happened. How do you do do that? It happened with the Lizzie Borden house. That's how I first discovered what it was that they were doing is I wanted to have a certain date. This was, you know, at least five years ago, but I wanted to have a certain date and I had the date. Leanne and I had an agreement that I was going to have that date. I hadn't yet started advertising the event, uh, but we agreed that that date was going to be open for us to do something. And what happened was... I started seeing on Facebook this event being advertised for the date that I wanted at the Lizzie Borden house. So I said to Leanne, are we not having an event on that date anymore? And she's like, no, I have you down in the book for that date. And I said, well, what about this organization there? They're advertising and they've got people in the comments saying that they bought their tickets and all that. I I don't know who you're talking about. I've, I've never spoken to those people. And so, and it happened with some other locations as well. So what they would do is they would see, they would sell the tickets and then that would mean that they had enough interest because they didn't live in this country. So that would show that they had enough interest to make it worth their time to come over and run the event. And I think that they hired some, some paranormal investigators and, and, you know, in this country to kind of show up and do some of the legwork for them. But that was the the game that they were playing. And people, I, I, I don't know if I have know anybody that's ever actually been to one of their events because so have many they actually of them, had one. Is well, that so the, many of them would get canceled. The people would get their money back. So it wasn't like they were stealing the money. Okay. But it was still, I mean, and you, you could be costing the money because people might get, you know, fees associated with getting the money back and all that kind of stuff. Who knows? But the... The idea of, you know, selling it before you booked it, I just thought was a terrible thing. First of all, it's bad business. Yeah. Second of all, it's hurting everybody else that's trying to book those dates. And, you know, a lot of the the location owners, they didn't realize that that's what was going on. They would just have people saying, hey, you know, they'd call up the place and say, hey, can we get this place on September 17th? Because we've we've got 400 people interested in coming. 
And so they'd say, yeah, absolutely. That sounds great. A sellout event? Yeah, you'll pay me how much? Sure. Okay. So that's where you just have to be careful and check the reputation of the people that, and really, if, if you're not sure, and I hate to sound like a know-it-all, but if you're not sure about an event that you want to get involved in, email me. Hit me up on social media. Let me know what it is, and I'll let you know, because chances are I probably have an idea of what the what the reputation is, and if not, I can put it out to the to the people that I'm connected to in my network, and they can tell me if they've ever had a bad experience with those. I mean, there's people that have run events that I know that have had to cancel events or have had to, uh, you know, not they, they weren't able to deliver all that it was that they promised, and they're supposed to be making uh, um, refunds to people. And, you know, years have gone by and they still haven't gotten back their, you know, $50 that they paid for a ticket. So there's a lot of that kind of stuff that goes on. So that's why you have to kind of check the reputation of who it is that you're working with, especially now as these events are going to start to pop up. Now, that being said, uh, I just announced the new thing that I'm going to be at this week. Uh, well, not this week, but I, I announced this week that I'll be at this new thing. Uh, it's taking place in Middleborough. Uh, at the Burtwood School and the Alley Theater, they can't have people inside. So what they've been doing during the pandemic is they have had outdoor things in the back. You know, they have, you, you know, downtown Middleborough. Yeah. They have that nice, like, parking area in the back. I shouldn't say nice. It needs to be paved. But they have that great they, parking they area They do in have the back. good space, yeah. And, and well, where they're doing these this event is a nice little patio area. And they have outdoor heaters and tables with umbrellas and all that. And so we're going to be doing an evening of spooktacular ghost stories and legends. So I'm going to talk a little bit about ghosts. I'm going to talk a little bit about, you know, what I think ghosts could be. And then once we've laid that groundwork, I'm going to start getting into some of the, the spookier stories of the area. And uh, it's a new program that I've never done before. Some of the stories you might have heard before, but, you know, it's a new program and uh, I've got a couple of libraries that are interested in it. So I'll give you all the details on that a little bit later on. And uh, also I'll be speaking in a couple of libraries, but those are going to be virtual. So you can check those out wherever you are. And virtual events are great. I'm so glad that the paranormal world is embracing these these uh, virtual events. And we're going to talk with Tony a little bit about that because I know he's involved with some of these too. But to be able to connect, you know, whether it be a lecture where you're sitting there with a PowerPoint and you're able to kind of show it to everybody. First of all, it's great doing it in that regard because you don't have to bring your projector with you and you don't have, you don't have to stay, say to people, can everybody in the back see that, you know, and, and have people be like, wait, can you go back to that slide? So <laughs> you're able to put it right on their screens. So it works out great. And also the fact that you get the chance to see some of these locations. So instead of me going and, you know, presenting about the Lizzie Borden house, you know, a few weeks ago, the dark zone actually broadcast an event from the Lizzie Borden house. And so people actually get to go and see what's going on in the house. And then they were connecting remotely with people. And it's, it's, it's a, a new paranormal dimension. zoom. It is. And it's a whole new dimension of it because you get to see inside places differently than television. Right. Uh, it's not a bad idea. Not a bad idea at all. Virtual. And, Listen, we've been talking about this for a long time. We've been saying, like, why don't we do these, you know, where it's just us in the location and everybody else can connect virtually and then we don't have to worry about, you know, bringing all the stuff that we have to bring and carrying all the insurance and all that kind of stuff. Uh, the problem was 
the rest of society hadn't caught up to yeah. the virtual yeah. you know connection yeah. but now that everybody's doing it so much easier so we can talk a, a little bit about all of that too uh with tony but let me just bring him on here uh let's see and one of the other things that we will we'll talk about too as we are discussing i like i said i definitely want to talk about audio if i can get this other computer open we'll play some evps that he's given us uh, uh we'll probably do that in the second hour because i need to figure out my password and then but one of the things that i really want to talk about is you know how does the paranormal world help with and i don't want to use the terminology but in the new normal how do they help us getting back to helping these historic places? So we can talk about all that and more. Let's bring up our guest tonight, Tony Rathman. Uh, he's joining us on the phone now. Good evening, Tony. Are you with us? I'm here, Tim. Thank you. And it's great to have you. Thanks for joining us. Uh, how are things out your way? Good, good. Outside of, like you were saying, the whole COVID thing, which we were hoping would be long gone by now. But uh, other than that, great. And have you been able to, to get out into the field and, and conduct some investigations in, in the way things have been going? We have for certain locations, which are obviously restricted. Um, the number of people that are allowed in at a time is restricted. I mean, the new normal that you were referring to has definitely played a major impact. The saddest aspect of it is doing private home investigations has just come to a, a complete halt, even though these people still may be having concerns or problems with paranormal happening, you know, they don't want you coming into their home, you yourself and your team. It's dangerous going from house to house. So that's, that's had the major uh, and biggest impact due to COVID. And with that, I mean, okay, fine. We understand that people don't want to have other folks coming into their house and they probably shouldn't even if they were happy, you know, even if they were fine with letting people come in. Uh, but the problem is, is they can't get the help that they need now at a time when they're home more than ever and experiencing more activity than they've ever experienced before. Yeah, well, you're absolutely right. It's a double-edged sword um, in that uh, specific scenario. So it, it is unfortunate both for the homeowner who's experiencing it and for the people that know that they could be of assistance um, you know, it's a double-edged sword. They're, they're both being cut uh, on both sides of it. I was thinking about this this week. We may be able to uh, investigate remotely. That That's something that we can kind of help people. You know, it's not a, a real full-fledged investigation, but maybe we can help people that need help, you know, through Zoom in certain ways. But the, the thing that concerns me is how easily something like that can be manipulated by either side, really, but that it, you know, it, it 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 will allow you to at least have a face to face connection with somebody that's having problems, and it certainly wouldn't be anything that I would dub evidence. Uh, but as, right. it, it might be enough to kind of just at least calm people a little bit and give them, you know, they they want the help, they want to talk to somebody, but what they really want is for you to see what's going on yourself. It becomes an outlet. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. It's just an outlet for them to express. Yeah. Any bit of that is a help. Right. And any any ear uh, is 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 a is a kind ear if they're, if they're willing to listen. So we we mentioned at the at the top that the name of your organization is Entities Voices Paranormal Investigations. So I'm assuming, uh, based on the information that you sent over and a name like that, that audio is a very heavy focus of yours. Absolutely, EVPs were the driving force um, when we started out back in 
oh, let's see, February of 2010. Um, and then EVP, EVPs turned to ITC. Uh, then we started building spirit boxes. But yes, spirit communication is um, really the forte around which we, we function, and getting them to communicate with us is, uh, is our, always our end goal. And how did it come about that you did get involved in this? Because from, from what I understand, it wasn't something that you were, you were particularly into. Correct. Uh, my wife, um, when we got married, uh, loved watching the paranormal shows, and she always tried to get me to sit down with her and watch. Of course, I tried. Um, but, you know, and there's nothing wrong with paranormal shows, so don't, don't get me wrong. But my father was a, a physicist, chemistry teacher, physical science teacher, so growing up, my background was always science-related. And, you know, science couldn't explain it. I just kind of dismissed it. Well, she kept wanting me to watch these TV shows. And then finally, one Valentine's Day, she said, I want to do something different. I said, okay, what would you like to do? She goes, I want to go ghost hunting. And I thought, oh, man. But, of course, to appease her, I said, okay, did a little, little Internet research, um, found a, a haunted hotel here in the, the Phoenix area, at least one that had a reputation for it, booked a weekend for us, went out and bought her some inexpensive equipment. I figured it would be after that weekend, be sitting in the back of a closet collecting dust, but I bought her a cheap, uh, digital recorder, a cheap night vision camera, uh, and an EMS meter. Well, she went off, we went off and had for the weekend, um, the the two or three nights we were there, you know, I the, I investigated with her, played along. Well, it wasn't until we got the stuff home and she started going through it. And one of the biggest um, shocks was the amount of EVPs that showed up on the recorders. Although we had some strange anomalies in photographs, we had even um, a catch on a video camera of of a figure moving that was nowhere in the room when we shot it. But she kept calling me over, look at this, look at this, listen to this. And it, it really shocked me. Um, for probably, I don't know, the next month and a half, I was trying to wrap my head around how these things were showing up and how these voices were, res were responding to the questions we were physically asking out loud. And we were one of three, three guests in the entire hotel. Um, and there's like seven floors, there's 325 rooms. I mean, there was no one around, and there was one front desk person and one uh, maintenance man that was there. That was it. Um, so most of the floors were completely empty. There was no one on them. And we had all these voices responding and answering questions. And it absolutely just shocked me to the point where my interest became so high with how this was happening I think we investigated that particular hotel over 50 times in the last 10 and a half years, um, trying to see if we could, you know, get, duplicate the responses, try to get more answers, and, and we could. And that's kind of how it started. And we just kept going back, and then we branched out, went all through Arizona, then we started going California, Nevada, Colorado, New Mexico. Of course, then we branched out all over the U.S., but, but that's how it started. And, and my wife really exposed me to the opportunity to find out that there was a lot more going on there than what I had any idea. So with that in mind, I mean, not everybody 
get something the first time that they start getting involved in this. Some people, it takes them years to even get some sort of voice captured on, on audio. In fact, you know, the, the way that it used to be presented all the time was that, you know, some people go their entire career without getting a, an EVP that would consider to be a class A EVP. Class A. So, yeah, correct. I mean, how, were you thinking about that at all as you were as you were finding that you were getting stuff? Were you saying is this might be too good to be true, or were you just confident in the manner that you were investigating, and that was why you were getting the results you were? Well, you know that thought probably hadn't crossed my mind because I was brand new. I, I really didn't know much about how it was supposed to work. What was typical responses? It wasn't until years later, um, having continued to do it, and of course talking with other groups and other people and, you know, playing what we had captured. Um, only then did the real realization that, you know, what we had gotten the very first time we went to go do this um, was off the charts. And, you know, part of it, um, you know, like I said, was just so shocking to me. And I was trying to scientifically find answers. Like, you know, was there somebody in that room? Was there somebody on that floor? And, you know, we went through all through all through that with the hotel because we knew all the people working there and said, you know, what, you know, can you check your computer system? Was there somebody on floor six? Nope, nobody there. Um, so the more we dug into it, the more and over the years of, of, of continuing down the path, that's where we learned that that first experience was really an icebreaker as far as is what was captured. The thing that I find interesting when it comes to people that do audio work especially is, you know, I was kind of saying this at the beginning of the program, you have to have an ear for it. And do you feel that people have to come into it naturally with an ability to decipher the voices out of the noise? Or is it something that you can train yourself to be able to, to discover? It's absolutely something you can train yourself to discover. The very first EVP, when I played it probably the first 40 times, I couldn't hear what was being said. I could only know and recognize that that was not what was said when we recorded it. I, I didn't even catch the words. And, you know, after doing this over and over and over, um, that process of being able to pick out those words and being able to more clearly recognize them became stronger and stronger and stronger. So it, it's a learned procedure, but, you know, Part of me believes that when people talk about the difference between life and death, that there's a, there's a thin veil you know, that separates the two. We, we've seen that veil show itself over and over in a multitude of different ways. But the fact that when you're hearing EVPs, if you're not used to um, hearing them, you can skip right over them and not even know they happened. But if, you're, if you've trained your ear to hear above and below where the normal speech is coming and know how to pick it out of the sound, then you can pick it up relatively quickly. And we've seen that same thing happen between experienced people dealing with EVPs where you'll play it once for them and they'll tell you exactly what you think you're hearing. But if you play it to somebody who's not used to hearing them, they're like, well, I heard some noise or I heard a shuffle and, and that's all they hear. The part that was difficult for me was being able to uh it's it's almost like when you went and looked at those 3d posters in the mall back in the 90s where you yeah. ha you had to kind of learn to stop focusing so intently and look wider 
And you have to right. kind of listen wider too. You can't you can't be listening to every little part of the hiss and every little part of the the room noise and see if you can pick it out. You have to kind of just open your ears up and just see what kind of catches your attention. You know that that's a great example, like with the posters, because you're exactly right. If you're looking at the detail in the design, you'll never miss the you'll miss the 3D aspect that pops out. You have to widen that view. That that was a great example, and, and EVPs work the exact same way. Yanni. <laughs> right. <laughs> Laurel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and the, the good investigators, they are the ones that I think are more open to different interpretations of what's being said. When somebody comes at me and says, you know, can't you hear this? This is exactly what's being said. Uh, uh, you know, that, that worries me a little bit because to me, that kind of certainty in it is probably, you know, it's, it's more them wanting to believe it than it necessarily might be that it's there. But when somebody comes that's at correct. me and says, I think that I'm hearing this, tell me what you hear. You know, that seems to be the right approach. Is, is that the, the kind of the way that you approach in sharing the clips that you find? Yeah. Absolutely. Um, we'll spell out what we hear, but we, we will never say with 100% certainty. People have different abilities, different hearing abilities. They hear tones differently. Um, there are people that can hear higher tones better than other people, or other people hear lower tones. But, so there, there is discrepancy in because you, you can never be 100% sure. But you always have to look at everything you're capturing with that frame of mind that you may not be 100% correct. I would also argue, too, that there's differences enough in what it is that we hear in regular conversation that, you know, I wouldn't want to be that certain about what I'm hearing in an EVP because I can have a conversation with somebody and say, wait, wait, what did you say? Oh, because it sounded right. like you said this. Yeah. Yeah. Mistakes can be made. There's there's no doubt about it. And to claim with 100 percent certainty that you're hearing exactly what was being said yeah that that's pushing the envelope because um you, you can't be 100 percent certain unless you could have that spirit come back and you know somehow explain to you yeah that's exactly what i said or and you know that's never going to happen but there, there's always air and you have to be cognizant of that and you have to be aware of that that uh just because that's what you're hearing i mean my because my wife and i do this together i can't tell you how many arguments her and i have had about listening to an EVP and completely disagreeing about what's being said. And, of course, we throw those in the trash because if two people can't agree with what it said, then you're going to get all sorts of answers from anybody else, and it's not what we consider to be a, a valid definition of what's been said. For those who are, you know, kind of on the fence with, utilizing this as as an investigative technique first of all i mean i don't know why but it's it's become something where people kind of have shied away from doing this they feel like maybe that the the technology now is you know we have so much more at our disposal that i think electronic voice phenomena kind of falls by the wayside but how important would you say that it is to be focusing on this compared to other types of potential data that you can collect well for us, and like I said, because we, we named our group 10 and a half years ago, Entity Voices, um, to us, it's, it's extremely important. One, when, when you ask a question and you know there's no outside influences, you know that the area in which you're asking the question has been somewhat solidified. Now, there's always 
examples where something else can can go wrong. But when you know there's no outside contamination, or at least not an amount that's going to affect your audio, you ask a question and you get a direct and intelligent response that answers your question when you can know with with 100% certainty that there's not any other human being in there that could have played a joke or answered the question for you. That, to me, is some of the best evidence that can be captured. Now, I'm not against the new technology. I'm not against the new devices because, let's face it, every day we go out, we're looking for ways to find new answers, develop new um, devices that can help bridge that gap between communicating with spirits. But for me, out of all, out of everything that's out there, when I can get a verbal answer to a question I asked and it can give me a straight, direct answer to the question I asked, I find that hard to beat. Uh, I have a suggestion if you want to try it. Sure. Uh, I have a particular program. It's called Dragon. You may be familiar with it. I, I am aware of it, yes. I've tried feeding EVPs into Dragon, seeing if it will type out, you know, the word. You're dealing with an a, basically an objective sound system that is well, not not going to be predisposed to. Um, but it also needs to be trained to to your voice to to work at its at its most proper. At its most proper, but it, it, I've seen it work with various other people, you know, saying words, and it it picks up the. It, Especially even with, um, we'll call it, you know, accents from people from various countries. So I, I tried a little experiment using EVPs, and for the most part, it did pick up the words that everybody was hearing. Did you did you pre-determine what you were hearing and then put it in, or did you put it in and say, oh yeah, what it says on the screen is what I think I'm hearing? No, predetermined. We all agreed that yeah, it, it, this sounds. I'll use the term hamburger. You know, it said hamburger in. You play it for Dragon, and it wrote out the word hamburger. So, okay, even the machine is saying this is what this word is. I had Dragon once uh, for, for my regular work, and I figured out why they call it Dragon. Yeah. Because it Dra- just takes, takes forever, forever to get it to yeah. do anything. It takes forever. Yeah. <laughs> the yellow fox jumped over the brown fence, period. New sentence. You know, it's just such yeah. a pain. I'd, at that point, like you know, if you if but, if you don't need it, don't don't use it. <laughs> you know, it it's fingers. a very interesting. That's a very interesting concept, though, and and you know, there I, I know other people, and and I've tried it myself, where you have an EVP that is class A and so clear that you can use a speech to text, and it will match the words that are being said. Now, does that give it uncertain validity? No, it doesn't. No. But the other thing, what well, the other thing we do is we use what's called a voice print. And it's the spectrograph layout when a word is said. Mm -hmm. And you can turn around and grab your recorder, say that same word, run it through that voice print graph as well. And regardless of your tone of voice, if it's the same word, you can match that vocal print to the word that you think is being said. And that gives some validity to what you think is being heard as well. Well, getting into that idea of of being able to, and I didn't mean to cut you off. No, that's all right. No, uh, but you know, we've we've reached the point where we've developed a whole bunch of things directly related to trying to capture spirit voices, and we we can get into you know, and I'm sure we will uh, in the next hour. We can get into all the uh, the apps and the boxes and all these different devices that'll basically allow 
a spirit to communicate in in mm-hmm. in its whether it be in its own voice and in its own words or utilizing words that we're putting at right. its disposal and it, it it seems like this is the i don't want to say well, okay in my experience I'll, I'll i'll qualify with that this is the most common way for them to be able to reach out and to communicate and it seems to be the easiest way. So you would think we would put more focus on doing this kind of work. Or do you feel like enough work, uh, Tony, has been done in this regard now that we, we do have kind of almost a standard operating procedure for which we should be following when it comes to collecting audio? Well, there are some ground rules that, that definitely are, are kind of set um, and, and need to be followed. But have we done enough work on it? No. I, I don't think that at all. There's so many variables involved with how EVPs left, are, are left on the machine. There's, there's the natural sounds that occur that they can actually use and manipulate to further pronounce the words that they're trying to say. There's so much information in a, a simple EVP that still needs very detailed examination. So, no, I, I don't believe we're anywhere near the point to say, okay, that's a done deal. But it gets to the point where the shiniest flashiest new toy that people see out there like that that becomes what they want to utilize and then all oh, these these tried and true methods that i've been doing for i mean there's probably some sense of people get kind of uh bored with the repetitiveness of investigating in a certain way and with a certain type type of technique but also you know, we don't have enough proof through these previous ways that just jumping to the next flashy toy that comes out there is is only just solidifying what it is that we already know, which is that there's our spirits there, and it's not really getting us what we need to kind of show that to the people that don't already know that. Com- completely agree. Um, and that's why, you know, to, to back to your original question, no, I, I don't think enough work has been done. But if you look at the history of, you know, paranormal investigation and how voices were captured way back to the original uh, recorders that were being used that voices started showing up on, which I think was some sort of a record player originally. Um, But, you know, they they got them back then, and now we're using digital recorders today, and they're still showing up. And they were were caught on tape. They were caught on every other uh, recording capability. That history, to me, is, is... a defining point that says, keep, keep doing this, keep looking into this. this, this needs more information, this needs to be further evaluated and uh, researched. Yeah, and it's amazing to me how much people don't look into the, to the history of this, because it does go back uh, pretty far, you know, it, at least in, it, uh, as far as the way that we do it, I would put it probably back to the 1950s, but you, oh, can, yeah. you can go back oh, to Edison and, and the research that he was doing and trying to, you know, supposedly create a, a, a spirit phone. That has been kind of debunked uh, right. in terms of how serious he was about that. But, you know, if you look into, like, the, the work of Rodive and then, you know, you've got George Meek, you've got the Spiritcom. Yeah. I mean, that's th- love. Yeah, this is not this is not a new thing. This is not something that we only started doing because people were doing it on TV. People have spent, right. you know, the better part of a century looking into this. Right, and, and you're talking some pretty um, high-class and intelligent people that were looking into those uh, methods of recording EVPs. And, and like I said uh, just a few minutes ago, it, it's that history of knowing that it was captured then and it's still being able to capture today, 
even with new digital recorders. That's why I don't feel that enough um, enough research has been done to to and not even close to being able to solidify that data yet. And one of the things that we'll get into uh, coming up in the next hour is the the devices that you utilize uh, on investigations to capture these spirit voices. But I think it's safe to say that you have probably expanded the technology that you've that you've used in that over the past ten years. Oh yes, um, we have more. I mean, if we go to like a haunted low a haunted hotel, which we do often, just because um, you know they're they're easy to check in and you've got access to you know, 80% of the place, but, uh, we'll show up for two nights and we'll have 20, 22 bags worth of equipment coming with us. And they're like, how long are you staying? (laughs) That's, that's always the part that, uh, people don't realize is, you know, you can get all the great gadgets and devices to bring with you on a paranormal investigation, but somebody's going to carry it all in. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And sometimes the, the, the bags, and and the bags of the battery sometimes are, uh, you know, even more, uh, even heavier than the bags of the equipment. Correct. So we will be taking a break here in a minute. When we come back on the other side, we'll talk more about this uh, in depth, and we'll also play some of these clips. Just to make sure I forgot to ask you this, Tony, all these clips that you have, they're all suitable for for broadcast on the radio, right? Yeah, the only one you probably don't want to play is the one labeled F.U. Tony. (laughs) <laughs> that well, I really, really do want to play it. I just don't know if I can. <laughs> but uh, maybe, maybe we'll add it into the podcast later on. But that's that's uh, that's always the thing that I forget to tell people when I'm like, "Oh, send me some of your best EVPs." I forget to say, "Oh yeah, we're actually on a terrestrial radio station, so we've got to follow FCC <laughs> yeah, rules." I'd probably skip that one then. Uh, well, maybe we'll listen during the <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there you go. So uh, those are usually quite common, though most people yeah. don't realize that. Well, yeah. especially if you're me, because they're always <laughs> yeah. they're always swearing at me. True, I earn every bit of it, though, Tony. True, <laughs> they they actually are very common, especially if you've irritated um, an entity or spirit, and or you're cleansing a house, and that one was from a house cleansing we did, and he clearly let me know he wasn't happy about what we were doing. The the Lizzie Borden house likes to swear at me too. Does more does more than that to you? Yeah, but you know the the other stuff we can at least talk about on the air. Yeah, true. You can throw me downstairs and throw me up against walls all you want. I can tell those stories in public. But then when I go to like a library and I'm trying to do my <laughs> Halloween lecture and there's a little old lady sitting in the front and I'm like, um, do I play this one or not? Do I just skip ahead? I don't know. The 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 one that got really bad was when um we have SLS camera footage of a. Of a ghost uh, yeah. pleasuring himself. And when you see the video, there's no doubt that's exactly what's happening. What he's doing. And, and I promised a, a library lecture that uh, if they all behaved and were good, a good audience, I would play them You know, the most mind-blowing clip at the end of it. And I actually had a lady that got up and walked out the minute she started seeing that. And she yelled at me and she said, I thought you were a nice young man until this point. <laughs> and I was like, I'm not the one that was doing it. It was the ghost. Exactly. It wasn't me. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> hey, ghosts are only human. <laughs> well, they were. <laughs> uh, so we'll take our break here. When we come back, more with Tony Rathman. We'll be talking about uh, some of the ways that he collects electronic voice phenomena with his wife. And we'll talk about um, some of the equipment that they use. We'll also have the phone lines open with any questions for our guest. 
That's right. Questions that directly relate to the guest, Lamone. Uh, 508-996-0500 is the number if you would like to call in. You can also email me during the program, Tim at SpookySouthCoast.com, or you can put them on Twitter using the hashtag SpookyLive. That's always the way that we try and monitor the things going on during the program. Uh, the other thing that you can do is if you're a member at Midnight.fm, you can sign into the Discord server if you are a member at the higher levels, and you can post in the Spooky South Coast channel in the Discord server as well. I'll be checking that throughout the discussion tonight as we continue on talking about uh, electronic voice phenomena. We'll also tell you when we come back about some of the things that are coming up for the spooky season that you can come out and get involved in or stay home and get involved in in some cases because I know a lot of you, you'd rather just stay home. You know what's best about that is... I'd probably rather stay home a lot sometimes, too. Are you intrigued by Paranormal Talk Radio? You'll love the new Paranormal Radio app from TalkStream Live. You'll find a great selection of talk shows covering UFOs, ghosts, strange phenomena, and much more. Download the Paranormal Radio app now and start listening to the very best in Paranormal Talk Entertainment, the Paranormal Radio app, free in Google Play and the iOS App Store. of Spooky South Coast here, Tim Weisberg, along with science advisor Matt Moniz, talking about the paranormal as we do each and every Saturday night here on WBSM and on SpookySouthCoast.com and on Midnight FM and on the Paranormal Radio app and on TuneIn. We have so many different ways that you can tune in and listen to the show. We try to make it as available to you as we can so that you can always listen to it. And if you've never heard the program before, or if you're new to it, if you've only been catching it for the first few weeks uh, on Midnight FM that we've been doing these live simulcasts, keep in mind that you can get all of our past episodes simply by going to your favorite podcast service and downloading it. Just look for Spooky South Coast. You'll find them all right there, uh, going back all the way to 2014, because uh, um, 2014, going back 14 years all the way to 2006 is what I meant to say, because we've been doing this show uh, that long, and uh, we are so excited that we will be hitting the 15th anniversary this coming January. So that's some some pre- that's a pretty big deal, because I don't know if there's a lot of other programs that started uh, back when we did that are still out there, still kicking, and it's it's good to be you know, the, the old gray beards of, of paranormal podcasts. And I told you before the break that I would let you know about some upcoming things that you can take part in. On October 19th, I'll be giving a lecture for the Lakeville Public Library. Uh, that will be uh, happening on uh, about the Bridgewater Triangle, and they'll have all the information about that coming out from the Lakeville Public Library soon for you to be able to sign up. It will be via Zoom. And also on October 28th, 
I'll be giving a presentation, my presidential paranormal presentation for the Middleborough Public Library that will also be happening via Zoom. Now, what we're asking on this, because there's a lot of folks out there who are listening to us from around the world. Thank you for tuning in. We love the fact that we have a global audience for this program, but also uh, we're hoping that, you know, if those Zooms are going to fill up, we want to keep those spots open for the local people. So if you're not a local person, but you want to check it out, just stay tuned because we're probably going to be simulcasting those uh, through our Facebook so that you'll be able to still be able to watch it even if you can't get into the Zoom. We just want to make sure that, you know, the Zoom's not full of people from all over the place. And then the library says, well, this wasn't for our patrons because that's what they're really putting these on for. And I would hate to to have to limit it to people only from that town. So we're, we're doing this as a bit of a compromise. And then also coming up on October 29th, as I mentioned, I'll be doing a special event for the uh, Burtwood School and the Alley Theater to help them. Uh, you can go to this. You can actually sit outside at the patio tables with the patio heaters under the umbrellas. And I'll be presenting uh, an, a spectacular evening of ghost stories and legends. It's happening from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. There will be food served from Central Cafe, and there will be full bar from the bartending service of New England. So you'll be able to have some drinks, eat some food, and hear me talk about ghost stories and, t- and share some ghost stories happening from 6 to 8 p.m. The bar will open at 5.30, and I'll be there at 5.25. <laughs> I'll drink after. I- no, actually, I got a show right after. So I don't know if I'll be doing any any uh, drinking that particular night. But, you know, if somebody wants to bring me over one, I never turn it down. But you can uh, you can check that out October 29th in Middleborough. Uh, for more details, uh, just reach out to me, Tim, at SpookySouthCoast.com. There's not a lot of spots left for that. They are at, they're requiring a $20 per person donation to the school uh, to get a spot there. Uh, but the the spots were very limited as of yesterday. So there might even they might even be sold out at this point. But that's okay because Lorna said if – you know, it does sell out. We can look into adding another date because there's certainly interest for it this time of year. People love to hear ghost stories. So we'll uh, we'll tell them. That's what we do. Speaking of ghost stories, you know, Monies, we're going to be live on Halloween. Oh, hey, uh, how about I turn on your microphone? Yeah. Yeah, we'll be here and uh, we'll be doing a live show on Halloween. Uh, not like we did the first time we were live on Halloween where we, <laughs> we pulled off a successful hoax. Uh. But, it uh, was good. It was good. We could probably just rebroadcast that one uh, for Halloween because we're never going to top it. We're never going to be able to pull that off again. Uh, and that just came together in like yeah, hours. We, we had a conversation at the diner in the morning about, hey, let's try this. <laughs> yeah. And then just kind of made the rest of it up on the fly. But um, we will be here on Halloween and also over Halloween weekend. Well, I, I don't think I can, I can say anything yet because I, I didn't see it up there yet. But uh, I know that our guest, Tony Rathman. Tony, you've been taking part in some, some virtual ghost hunt events, right? I have. Uh, the Dark Zone put on um, the Conjuring House and then just last month did the Lizzie Borden House, which you know was kind of just a fantastic event for, for so many reasons. One, they're, they're just groundbreaking um, live interactions with the audience where the audience not only gets like a full day of, of excellent guest speakers to talk about, you know, the paranormal and the Lizzie Borden house was a little different because it was kind of a combination between, you know, the, the unanswered murder mystery of, of who killed, um, Andrew and Abby Borden, but then of course switched to 
paranormal after that. So it, it, it was, they were both great events. And then there is one coming up, um, uh, in October, which I'm not sure if I'm allowed to, to mention yet or not, but, um, it's going to be just an excellent event. Um, but yeah, it was a fascinating, um, way of being able to interact, uh, with everybody virtually. There were a few people at each location, but of course, because of COVID going on and because of the Lizzie Borden having restrictions on the number of people that were allowed in the bed and breakfast, there were some restrictions, but they did bring in investigators for nightly, um, um, investigations and they were doing um spirit box sessions using the sd method and it was just they're they're groundbreaking events um and being able to to have that live interaction um for guests to view stationary cameras in different rooms and and actually be able to be virtual investigators at the location i don't know how many guests we had catch something on a camera and of course record it, send it, and say, hey, did you see this? Look at this. Um, it's just, they're, they're fascinating events, and I, they're only getting better. So, And so we can't, we can't tell you when the date is, because that's not up on the website yet, but on the website for The Dark Zone, and uh, that's thedarkzone.tv, it, they have given away the location for the next event. So it'll, they be, have. it'll be the Queen Mary. Which, Correct. have you had the chance to be there? I have. We, we, we've investigated before and i gotta tell you we're thrilled to uh be able to do it again so um you know there's there's so much activity that happens there and there's so many spirits on the queen mary that you know the the one place that you know if the dark zone's going to be able to really catch something good the queen mary is definitely going to going to bring that opportunity forward i've i've never been there but i'm, I'm going to be part of the dark zone event so i'm going to I'm going to find something else that I can talk about <laughs> that'll be a little bit different. But we certainly have our share of maritime ghosts here in New England. God. So I, I, I pitch that as a possible topic that I can discuss because, I mean, if you go back, one of the most famous ghost stories is the Mary Celeste. Celeste. Yeah. And, you know, that's right. that sailed out of Marion, which is right here on the south coast. Well, the captain was from Marion, Captain Briggs. No, the Mary, it did sail out of Marion. He was from Wareham, though. Well... The, yeah. At the time, you know, everybody was a Briggs in Wareham and yeah, Marion. So, yeah. <laughs> and actually, they kind of still are. There's, yeah, it's still they, one of the yeah, most the popular names around. Are. But the, um, yeah, the, that's what I like about this is like you were saying, you know, it gives you a chance to see inside and see an investigation being conducted, but it also gets people to come in from all over that can bring in different expertise that kind of adds to the to the experience overall. It's it's one of those. Um, shining examples, I think. And I'm not just blowing smoke because you know we're involved with this organization and helping them out with these with these events. But it's it's run in a sense where they they're thinking what will be the best thing that we can bring in for the viewer, and that's that's exactly. what makes these things successful. I don't think. Yeah. That, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say I completely agree with that. And you know, after each event they've done so far, The Conjuring, Lizzie Borden. I mean, they're always reaching back out to the people watching saying, okay, well, what else would you like to see? Did you like, you know, they take polls. Did you like this? Did you like, you know, which one did you like better? Can you rate these for us? What, you know, so they're, they're always adapting to make whatever is the next coming up event um, even better than the one that happened before. And, and the first two were, were, were amazing events. Like I said, ground baking, 24-hour um Full week for The Conjuring, four days for Lizzie Borden, and I believe Queen Mary's going to be four days as well. But 
something that's never really been seen or done before. And it's fascinating because not only do you get to be almost feel like you're there, but you can interact not only with um, the other viewers because there's chat rooms and there's, you know, um, online cameras. And and it's just it's an amazing experience. And it's, you know, somebody who hasn't gotten to see one or check one out, um, I highly recommend it. The chat room was what got me, too, because as I'm sitting there, uh, getting ready to do, and I did I did my part for Lizzie Borden from here, from my office at the radio station, because I've got my wall of weird behind me yeah. with my skeleton and my, right. you know, yep. all my photos and stuff. And so as I'm getting ready to start, I see that there's a chat room, and I'm like, oh boy, here's here we go. Like you know, whenever there's a chat room, that's you're just going to get trolled. And yeah. uh, but everybody was so great in there, uh, you know, sharing ideas and thoughts and asking questions, and it was just a, a great. It seemed like a great community that had popped up. Uh, throughout that, and I, I think those people kind of all get to know each other from hanging out in there during the course of the the four days, and they they really you know connect with each other. And I'm I'm sure friendships are being made in that chat too. We've seen that happen in our own chat room, you mm. know, when we were still running YouTube for Spooky South Coast, which we might get back to eventually, maybe. <laughs> but yeah, you're right; that absolutely does happen. No, no doubt about it. So, getting back into your investigations, uh, let's let's talk a little bit uh, about equipment, and this might get a little geeky for the. For the uh, casual listener, but I think for those who are investigators, it's kind of the it's it's the key part of the discussion. What what are you utilizing these days uh, on an investigation to capture audio or to communicate with spirits? We use all sorts of things. Like I said, when I was first telling how we got started, I mean we were using cheap digital recorders. Now I don't want to mention brand names just because we're on the radio. Uh, but no, you can. You you certainly can okay, if there's can. one that you recommend. Tascam, Sony, Marantz recorders. I mean, high quality professional digital recorders. You know, they've got multiple um, mic inputs so that we can, you know, either use them as a standalone device. We can run line mics out from them. Um, things that are recording at, you know, 96 versus, you know, 24 or 48. Um, the higher rates of recording allow you to. Um, dig a little deeper into them as far as pulling back um, audio. We bought parabolic mics, which I never thought would work for EVPs, but let me tell you, they do. And we've had amazing EVPs come through um, on the parabolic mics that we use. Um, we've got multi-track recorders. We've got um, all sorts of uh, different types of microphones, Omnidirectional, unidirectional, um, you know, high-end specifics to to pull higher-end tones. Um, so that's that's kind of um, where we look at when we're when we're trying to capture specific um, audio and audio responses. Um, and so far, they have worked out extremely well. Uh, w- one of the things that I learned over the years was. At least, you know, because I'm an audio geek, I'm an audiophile, I want to have the best sounding quality that I can get. And one of the things that I've realized is the best quality recorder doesn't work if you don't have the best quality headphones. That's very true. You know, like I see people, uh, you know, utilizing earbuds to do their, you know, their EVP work to, to go back and review the audio they, they're using earbuds and i'm like no you can't first of all i mean you really should be using something that is you know not only uh noise canceling but on the ear 
You know, like that's right. that's the difference because you want to kind of close in all the outside sound from being able to come in. And I actually saw one person uh, who was, they posted a photo, and I won't name who they are, they posted a photo on social media like, oh, you know, Sunday morning evidence review, and they were wearing a gaming headset. And I was like, oh, that's got to be the worst <laughs> thing. Because, like, that's designed to have all multiple channels coming into it, you know? Like, it's Correct. not giving you enough, enough. I, I mean, I, I hate to sound like a snob, but I use Bose headphones. Because to me, they they create a spatial landscape that allows you to, or soundscape, that allows you to to be in the room. Correct. Correct. And, and that's extremely important. I mean, the last thing you want is external noise when you're trying to decipher what you're hearing and what's been said. Any distraction from that can, can louse the whole thing up. And yeah, I mean, you know, using earbuds if you're trying to hear something may be better than playing it off the recorder speaker itself. <laughs> yeah. But if you're truly going to really want to analyze what you think you're hearing and want to be able to verify and have other people listen and hear the same thing, yeah, earbuds aren't going to work uh, at all for that. They don't have the speaker range. They don't have the frequency range. They don't have um, noise cancellation. I mean, you're, you're subjecting yourself to so many outside variables that could greatly affect what the person listening thinks they're hearing. You brought up a great point there. As much as I love everybody that buys tickets to our events and, and helps us raise money for historic haunted places, uh, please don't come up to me with your recorder and be like, listen to this. Listen to this. Like, wait a second. I have headphones with me. Let me go get them. Because I can't tell you how many times people have given me a recorder and had me hold it up to my ear. And I'm just like, oh, yeah, I, I promise you I'm lying to you. I can't hear anything out of those crappy little speakers that are built right. into those things. Well, there's times, too, people will send me stuff. Oh, my God, I just caught this. Please tell me what you hear. And I'm like, I'm out of the house. Um, I only have my cell phone. I'll listen when I get back home. Well, just play it. You'll hear it. <laughs> no, I'm outside. It's not going to happen. Yep. And the other part of, uh, you know, when you're investigating, too, is uh, people have to understand when you're playing it for somebody else, they're not there. So if they're listening to it after the fact, they don't know all of the, the ins and outs of what's going on during the investigation. So if you go back to them and ask them questions, they shouldn't get upset and be like, what are you trying to say? You know, right. no, it's, no, it's, you're it's, it's not right. one of us. Nobody was in the room. Yeah, but I don't know that until you tell me. Yeah, when, you, when someone else plays something for you, too, you have to identify. Because nine times out of ten, when I, when I get um, EVPs like that, there's multiple people talking. So you have to distinguish, okay, how many people are in this room? Where is the EVP located? At what time stamp? And, and you have to decipher all that. When you, when you just hear it one time, it, you can't process all of that effectively in order to pull out what is being considered to be the, the electronic voice and then turn around and, and be able to, to say what you think you're hearing out of it all at once. It's just it's too much too quick to be able to do that. And, and with that in mind, too, give us, give us something more. I mean, I don't want you to send me a three-minute file because nothing's worse than having to play a three-minute file. And I'm like, where, where is EVP? But also, don't give me just the five seconds that's the EVP either. I need to get acclimated right. to the room noise that's happening around it before I can actually, and you know. context. Yeah. You know, yep. I, need, I need more. And so it's, it's people, don't, and don't give it to me boosted. You know, don't put processing and effects <laughs> on it. Let me hear it raw. Then if you need to, you know, boost it and everything afterwards, as long as I can hear the raw file, that's what I'm interested in. I'm not interested in, you know, the fact that, because I've done it here. I worked in the newsroom here at the radio station and we would get bad audio uh, and, and, you know, would uh, 
we'd go to a ribbon cutting or a news event or whatever. You get bad audio. You come back in and you're trying to do what you can to salvage it. And you've got to do so much to it that by the time you have digitized the hell out of it, you've got all of this other you know, extraneous stuff that's happening around it. And everything just sounds like a jumbled mess. I don't want that. Just give me the pure, raw, what you think is yep. an EVP. Well, you can you can actually enhance EVPs into an audio if you mess with it enough, where you where it mm-hmm. starts to sound like something that uh, may you know sound like tone and voice and and words. So you got to be careful with that too, because even if you are trying to just boost some volume and and make it clearer, uh, there's dangers in that as well. Uh, and I always say, you know, I've told this story before uh, that people have this perception that paranormal television shows. You know, they're looking to just put anything up there and call it evidence. And I've told this story, uh, you know, numerous times that when I was working as the researcher for Ghost Asylum, they would send me stuff and have me review it. And I would send them back like this could possibly be an EVP, but I don't know what was going on. I don't know what filming was. And then they would email me back and be like, oh, no, we reviewed the video. That turned out to be somebody from production. So they were always kind of on the up and up in that regard. So it's nice. It's good that you can have, you know, a television show uh, do that. And speaking of, of television shows, awesome. you, you guys actually have the opportunity to investigate a place that's been seen on, on television. You have regular investigations of the old Phelps Dodge Hospital? Yeah, we, we actually uh, run it and operate it. Um, we turned it um, into, we, we got an opportunity to go in there to investigate for just a few hours. And um, the activity just in those few hours, I'm like, okay, we, we've got to find a way to open this up to, to other investigators. And that was back in end of 2017, I think that happened. And it's been open as the, the Copper Canyon Paranormal Research Center. And we, we basically do, we use it like a, a paranormal lab. I mean, there's times we'll leave cameras running, parabolic mics running, audio recorders, and, and completely leave the building. We know there is no one in there. There's only two people that have keys, well, three, but they're no longer in Arizona. Um, but uh, so we know who can come in and, you know, if the doors are locked and we lock them and, and walk away, there's, there's no one in the building. And we can leave that equipment run overnight or for a day or 24 hours and come back and, and retrieve it. When we've got voices talking, um, you know, we know there was nobody able to come in and out uh, as long as we checked with the other person that's got keys. But, um, yeah, and we do 10-hour overnight investigations. Uh, groups can can rent it from 7 p.m. at night to 5 in the morning, um, which, you know, there's a lot of places that you can go and do a paranormal investigation and they give you five, six, seven hours that time goes by so fast, especially when we were talking before about dragging in all the equipment, unpacking it, setting it up, setting up cameras, stopping then, for pizza. <laughs> well, exactly. And then you got to take a break to eat, and you know, you, there's so many things that happen. And breaking that time it all back the, down and hauling it all back out, right? And then untaking everything apart, packing it back up, reloading it um, takes a ton of time to do all that. So we wanted to give as much time as possible uh, for an overnight. So we said, okay, 7, 7 p.m., 5 a.m. to 5 a.m., um, which gives them a, a nice 10 hours to, to be able to investigate. And, you know, the hospital's uh, 30,000 square feet. It's not the biggest in the world, but for Ajo, Arizona, which has a population of, I think, about 3,000, 
it's a good sized building for that town, and there's place activity in it that was just phenomenal. We've had we've caught shadow figures. We have voice coming out of nowhere. We have doctors asking. Literally, we have EVPs asking instruments. We have doors slamming. We have um, just you know it's it's relatively constant. There are definitely days that are that are how why that happens or how that happens. I'm not sure. Uh, but it's consistent overall, and think, that's what's so phenomenal. We're losing you just we're losing you just a little bit, Tony. I think we're getting some uh, some spirit interference with your phone. Mm. I, I did hear that. I, I heard another voice too. I'm not sure if that was you. Is it any better now? It is better now. Yeah, and and I don't know where another voice would have came from. Yeah, I heard a I heard another voice say "Hey" or something. But I have that wouldn't be the first time that's happened. I wasn't <laughs> so, on this one. I was going to say, are you on a 1960s party line, perhaps? <laughs> no, we got rid of that a couple years ago. Okay. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know how the phones work out in Arizona, so I don't know. <laughs> now, uh, what, what's a little bit of the history of, of this hospital? Well, it was built in 1919. Uh, it was built by the new Cornelia Mining Company, and then it was purchased in the 30s by Phelps Dodge, who took over the, the copper mine in Ajo. And it was basically there to take care of all the medical needs of the, of the miners that got hurt while mining, whether that be from cave-ins, whether that be from rock slides, because they, they were literally you know, trying to crack the rock away to, to, um, when, when there were actual mountains there. Then they turned it into an open pit mine, and today it's an 1,100-foot hole in the ground. But they were still, at that time, I think the mine closed in 1986 when copper prices fell, and then they had union problems and work problems. Um, so in 1986, they shut it down. So, of course, when the mine closed, so did the hospital. Um, and then it sat, uh, it sat vacant, really, for almost 40 years. And that was one of the most interesting things when we got in there to investigate is that there were maybe a handful of people that had been in there in between. Um, but even on one of the first. Hello? Oh, you still there? That got weird. And it's still weird. I wonder if, uh, yeah, let me, let me disconnect so that he can call back in. I wonder if maybe his battery was dying or something on his phone. Could I don't know. Be? I discon- I disconnected the call. Or it could be so something here. I, I saw your article about yeah. this place being haunted. So and how many times have we all said that? I'm going to talk to you about that after. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> uh, I might want to do something for next week's show with that. Um, but the... Yeah, ho- hopefully Tony can call back in, and uh, he's he's got the number. So we'll, we'll see if he can reconnect. But looking at this online... Here we go. Here we go. He's calling in. Looking at this online, I will say this much... The prices to rent this out are like in line if you were buying a ticket to an event. Oh, you know, so you'll have the chance to actually get it for yourself. I'm sorry, Tony. Uh, you can you can continue on with the. Uh, we heard you kind of start talking a little bit about uh, the history of the of the hospital, but then uh, your phone cut out. Yeah, I, I have no idea what's going on. It's a brand new phone. It's never given me any trouble before. It's kind of strange. But yeah, I was just explaining that. Um, Actually, I don't even remember when I was explaining when it went dead. I was like, wait a minute. You were saying that the the mine closed in 86 and that it was basically abandoned for close to 40 years. Only a handful of people had been in there. Yeah, yeah. and when we first got in there, 
and uh, were able to to operate it and run it as the Copper Canyon Paranormal Research Center. And when we spent, I don't even know how many nights in there, just my wife and I alone, just trying to capture stuff. And, and we were getting EVPs saying, you know, who are these people? What are they doing here? I mean, it was just, it was amazing. It's like the, the, the spirits that were residing in this building weren't used to having people around. And all of a sudden, you know, these two people, my myself and my wife, were wandering the halls asking them questions. And that response was one of the most fascinating things to me about that building. It's like the movie The Others. It There's some similarities. Yes. Yeah. And now, being a place called Copper Canyon, I'm assuming that there's still a lot of copper in the ground, even though I'm sure a lot of it was mined out. You know, if you have a place that is a yeah. rich vein of copper, that's going to have an effect, I think, on, on you know, the same way that copper conducts electricity, and that's why we put it in all of our electronics, it, it also helps to, to conduct paranormal activity, too. You are you are absolutely correct. And the mine has plenty of copper left in it. They shut it down because the prices fell. Um, when those prices rise high enough for them to begin mining it again, they're, they're going to go back and, and do that. But you're absolutely right. I mean, copper is the number one metal to be used for electrical current. And it then becomes um, a material that could easily supply energy to the hospital, which is literally right across the street, um, and could be supplying uh, energy for the paranormal activity that occurs there. Just uh, one quick question I noticed on the website uh, looking at it. Uh, no seances allowed. What, what, how would you define a seance? Well, we, we do that for, for two reasons. One, um, just because normally during, it, you know, and I, I hate to even say this because, um, you know, I'm, I might be looked at negative for it, but a lot of the seances that we've seen occur, A, aren't even done right, B, it's more of a joke, and um, bad things can happen from that. Now, I'm, I'm not claiming that a Ouija board is any different than any other paranormal tool, because in my own personal opinion, it's not. But the, the sense of um, just the environmental sense that usually goes with it. I mean, I've seen so many instances where, where they've been done, and they've just either been done poorly or people act up, not necessarily even from paranormal, but just, so we just we 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 avoid that. So so that's a no Ouija board rule, too. Correct. Okay, just making sure. So if I if I show up with my Ouija board in hand, I want to know that I can't bring it in. That happened to me with one place where I showed up and I I had all these plans of doing something with it, and then the people were like, "Oh no, we don't allow those in here." I was like, "Well, there goes that experiment for the night." <laughs> so it's always good to. Yeah, I mean, I I like to respect the yeah. you know the the locations rules. I just I just need to know them ahead of time. So right. Uh, the uh, and the other thing about this is you know as, as I was mentioning you know it is repeated so you get to see what people are 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 getting from these investigations there and you kind of get to put together this long term case study from not only your own investigations but other approaches and techniques that the people are coming in and renting it out are using. Absolutely, and that's one of the most amazing things about it is that you know we'll never tell new investigators coming or even ones that have returned. Um, unless, of course, they, they ask and said, okay, we caught this. Have you ever caught that? Then, of course, we'll tell them. It's not that we're hiding anything, but we don't fill them with what we've captured um, prior. And when they can capture that same thing or that same voice or that same name, then, yes, it, it gives us a checklist to be able to say, okay, 
this person is there, that person is there. They are interacting with more than just us. This group just verified it, said, hey, we got this name, you know, hear this EVP, and not only do we recognize the name, but we can hear the voice as well and say, same voice. Now, speaking of voices, we have some clips that you sent over, and uh, and I think that we can probably try and play some of these here. Uh, they should work. The only problem is, is, get this, there was no audio player on this computer. I had to download. <laughs> really? I had okay. to download Windows Media, So and it, and it doesn't recognize the file, so I have to just open it with Windows Media each time. So it might just take me a second to, to upload no each one and get them ready. Uh, but the first one here... And and um, th- now, do we do we want to go through them kind of in the order that you sent them, the the alphabetical order? Sure, it, it, it makes no difference. All right, so so tell us about the first one then. What are we? What are we? Uh, what were the circumstances around this being, this being captured? Give me one second to just pull up that list. Unless sure, you no want to tell me the name? Uh, well, uh, I mean, usually I don't like. I got to, it. Yeah, I don't like to give the name it. out so that it gives away the what people are going to hear. Okay, th- this. This EVP was captured in um, the Hotel San Carlos. In fact, that was the that was the building that I took my wife to ten and a half years ago. Now, this wasn't captured that night. This was captured probably a couple years later. But it was only her and I in the building, um, and we were in a closed section of the hotel, and we were upstairs behind locked doors. Her and I were the only two people in the room and my wife um is from the philippines and she has a very distinct filipina accent there's a woman that speaks and i'm not going to say what i think she says but there's no accent here and it is not my wife and that is where this evp originated from all right let's give it a play So what are people hearing there? She's what what they're hearing is because I am the light. All right, so let's let's uh, play that one more time. Yeah, I heard her kind of right there, and it's it's almost like yeah, you you're hearing it almost at the same time she's finishing talking. Right. My my wife asked me if we should turn out the lights. And I replied, no, it doesn't stop them. It won't make a difference. And this woman's voice comes in right in the middle and says, because I'm the light. All right. Well, let's, and I, you know, I hate, I hate to put it on EVP lightning round, but we'll just kind of go through them, you know, one right after the other. I always end up doing sure. that when I have EVPs to play as I wait till the mm-hmm. end of the show, because I, I like to build up to playing yep. them because people love to hear them. And then I'm like, oh, I better just go through these as fast as I can. So we'll just, we'll do the lightning round. Uh, how about the next one? Next one was recorded at the Diplomat Hotel in Baguio City, Philippines which is a, a very well-known haunted location. Matter of fact, most of the Filipino people won't even go in there, especially at night, uh, just because they fear it. Cherie and I got to investigate an entire night in this place, and you'll hear two things. One, you'll hear um, a spirit say, when, we're, when I was talking about being able to um, get the spirits to communicate with us, you'll hear him say, I can help you with that, and then you will hear a spirit Call my wife, Mrs. Rathman. All right, so we'll play that for you. 
magpakita sa amin? Alright, and, and you were saying uh, we heard there again? Well, you can hear the, the first spirit say when I was saying that we've, we've spoken with spirits all over the world. He says, I can help with that. And it, it, funny story about this one. And this one's got background noise. And the background noise is because it's pouring rain and they have these channels that run down the walls into literally little rivers that flow out. And that's why you hear all that water sound. But these voices, they, they were using those natural sounds, plus you had running water on top of it, um, to bring out these voices. But then you can hear her call my wife, Mrs. Ratman. All right, we'll play that one more time for folks. Oh, wrong mouse. Pwede po ba kayo magpakita sa amin? Yeah, yeah, I definitely heard that. And uh, by the you know way, I, sorry, go ahead. I just heard something else in there too. There's there's a Latin statement in there, and we're still trying to figure out what it means. But there's a spirit because we got we got EVPs in English, Japanese, Latin, and Tagalog. And there's a statement in there that says Koji Lili, and we tried to trace it. Looks like it is Latin, but I have no idea what it means. And that's all you, you're saying. You caught all that in in there, in that clip. Yeah, that was just in that clip. Well, I also forgot to give my usual uh, my usual spiel to people to say, you know, put your headphones on before we play these. But uh, you'll be able to hear them uh, on the podcast too, because I know some people are like listening on their home radios or they're listening in their car, and it might be a little bit harder to hear these. So we'll have the uh, the podcast uploaded pretty much immediately after the show. So then you'll be able to get it if you have if you use iTunes or some of these other ones. It takes a while for it to catch it and to put it into the into the feed. But um, usually some of them get them up within like an hour or two after we upload it. So you'll be able to uh, hear it a little bit more in depth because uh, I know sometimes it's hard on the apps if you're not using your headphones or what have you. And then you can really give it a little bit more of a of an intense listen. Uh, l- let's go to the next one here uh, on the list. You got it. Next one again is Phelps Dodge Hospital. Um, you know, we hear carts rolling up and down the, the aisles. You can hear doctors' voices. You can hear patients screaming in this hospital. Apparently, I was standing holding the camera someplace they didn't want me standing. And you can play it and hear exactly what we think they said. All right. Yep, they told you. <laughs> they told you that pretty easily. Uh, tell people what they heard yes. there. They heard "Don't stand there" and very loud and very um, kind of authoritative. And I'll run that again. 
And so did you uh, Did you not stand there anymore? <laughs> I haven't since. <laughs> there you go. Then uh, that's as long as you're listening to what they tell you, uh, that's the important part. Let me just. It, it, it does make a difference. Respect has a huge play in all of this. Okay, we can move on to the next one, uh, and then we'll probably skip the one after that because that's the okay the bad one. Sure. But uh, this one here, what, what what's uh, this one all about? The next one is from the Grand Jerome Grand Hotel in Jerome, Arizona. Um, I was coming up the elevator alone. I had probably five, six bags of paranormal equipment with, with me. You can hear the elevator running. I open the door, and then this child's voice says, clear as a bell, um, what he says, and I'll, I'll say what I think he, I hear after, but uh, go ahead and play it. All right. All right, what do people hear there? What we're hearing is him saying, Tony, keep it bad. Which uh -huh. I have no idea what that was supposed to mean, but that's what we hear. Come on, keep it bad, you know? Be bad. <laughs> <laughs> Let's play it again for people. <laughs> I kind of like the... Uh, like the yeah, the, uh, the 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 diction there. It's very very interesting the way that uh, the way that he says it. Very interesting, and he he's dramatic about it. And you know, there was nobody in there. How that how how that even got there? And it's it's you know that's a, definitely a class A. You know, and the one thing people always say to us is, you know, if you've got background noise like the elevator, don't do EVP. But over the last I don't know how many years we've noticed that. We, we actually get less EVPs if it's dead silent. Mm -hmm. If there is background noise, they feel more free to talk. And so we, we never have stopped doing that. We, we literally record from the time we walk in to the time we walk out. Yeah, I mean, I like things to be as crystal clear as possible. But like you're saying, you know, if, if I'm going long sessions and we're not getting anything, then, you know, I'll start to, you know, I might crack a joke. And then when you go back and you listen later on and you hear people laughing or, you know, you hear people groaning because my jokes are terrible, you know, usually in that noise, that's where you'll get some voices that will come through. Exactly. And usually it's telling me how terrible my jokes are. Uh, <laughs> all right. Sk skipping the uh, FU one, which uh, <laughs> we just can't broadcast okay. that over the air. Uh, the, the next ne one on the list. The next one was also recorded in the Phelps Dodge Hospital, and it was us asking for a nurse named Mary that's normally in there and will respond to us. And we asked if Mary was here, and this is the response that came through. Mary, Mary, are you here again? Yeah, you can hear that a little bit there. What, what are people hearing there? What we hear there is that this wasn't Mary. He says, I am Michael. I'm going to just boost that one up a little bit higher. Mary, are you here again? There you go. Yeah, see that? Now I can hear it. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a balancing act sometimes with feeding it out over the air because if I push it too much up, we'll get feedback in it. So I just try to keep it at yeah, a good it's level. Al it's always hard with EVPs because the backgrounds are always different and the noise and everything else. So, yeah, I understand your challenge. 
And uh, we'll move on to the next one because we're doing good here for lightning round so far. No problem. The next one also felt dodge. We were having batteries drain on us left and right. I mean, we, we would literally take them off the charger from a full charge, put them in the camera. They'd last three to five minutes and dead. And um, my wife asked the question whether they were messing with our batteries, and this is what uh, was said. All right. Here we go. Oh, hold on. Yep. There you go. Are you draining our batteries? All right, let's play that again. Well, why don't you tell us what we're hearing there, and then I'll play it again. What we believe he's saying, and again, that's what we believe, is he said, I I took the battery. All right, we'll play it one more time. Are you draining our batteries? Oh, yeah, I took the battery. Yep. Yeah, he spaces out battery. Some people pronounce it that way, though. Yeah, they do. No, very very true. Very true. But that that's the other cool thing about EVPs is that you can get accents, you can get dialect, you can get all sorts of information, even regardless of what they're actually saying. You know, we were utilizing, uh, we were investigating a, a mansion in Rhode Island, and it was a small group of us. Uh, it was myself, Stephanie, uh, Porter from Haunted Towns and Ghost Asylum, and sure. then like, like six people that uh, had bought tickets to this. And when we were walking around, we're utilizing um, a, like a ghost box app. Uh, actually, I, I use Echo Vox pretty much exclusively. And we had it running through one of those like speakers that kind of, you know, reverberates it a little bit more and all that. Yep. And as we're walking around, you know, not the Huff ones. Don't even, don't, I'm not getting into that. But the, <laughs> as we're, as we're walking around, you know, we're picking up and like, we can hear this voice, but we don't know, we don't have any idea what it's saying. And we're like, this is so weird. And then all of a sudden, one of the people that was on the investigation, our friend Anna, she's like, well, that's Portuguese. And I was like, I've never caught, you know, Portuguese, at least that I was aware of. And so then she picks up the thing and she's walking around the mansion with it, having a conversation in Portuguese with whatever spirit was sure. there. So, you know, it, it doesn't have to come the way that we expect it to come. No, you, you're, you're absolutely right. And speaking of Echovox, that's probably one of only maybe two apps that I actually use, but Echovox does work. I mean, the problem with the apps is like the people that put them out there, they don't want to give you all the information about them to be able to have the confidence in using it. And, and, and Danny's always been like, yeah, I don't care. Here's, you know, here's the whole back end of it. So you can tear it apart. And you realize there, there are no words in it. It's, it's only so, nope. syllabic sounds. Phonetic yep. sounds. Yep. And, and I've had complete sentences and sometimes even complete paragraphs come through. You know, you know what? There's one in here that came from Echo Vox. So we'll get to, we'll get to play what they said to me. All right. And one other thing, too. Uh, it, so have you utilized the SDs method on your investigations? I have. And, you know, there's some real interesting things that come from, from that. And, uh, you know, it's got to be done right. And, you know, noise-canceling headphones are an absolute must in that, that scenario case. But, yes, uh, we, we have used it, and it has been effective. And what do you utilize for the audio for, for your SDs method sessions? Well, we've used what we call the Evox. And it is our own hand-built um, spirit box that we've been perfecting over the last probably eight, nine years. 
Oh, that sounds very interesting. But I would also say try giving uh, Echo Vox a try with that. And it, it makes a huge difference. And also it just goes louder than some of the other spirit Good boxes point. people use. But it's, I mean, I've, I've utilized that. And the first time that I did it, I thought I was going to go crazy. Like it was just that yeah. intense. So anyway. Yeah, it's it's a, it's amazing method. I completely agree. Well, let's move on to the next one. Okay, the next one. Um, this is actually after we got Michael's name. This is the next night, me going in and asking him to speak with me. Michael, are you here? You gave us your name. Can you speak with me? Let's communicate. I know you're here. Oh, I think I heard you. Wow, that was uh, that was pretty yeah. direct. What what was being said yeah. there? Well, first we think we hear him say, "I'm not ready." I'm coughing, and then you hear, um, um, "I said something out." I know you're here. Speak with me, and you hear this like multi-toned voice, like more than one voice, say, "We know." So I'll run that one more time. Michael, are you here? You gave us your name. Can you speak with me? Let's communicate. I know you're here. Oh, I think I heard you. All right, let's uh, let's try and get some more in here before we run out of time. But we'll move on to the next one. Sure. The next one is in the basement of the Bel Air house. And um, there's a bunch of things said in here. I'm sure the listener's not going to catch them all. But the most important one is when I hear an actual voice speak and I say to my wife, I think I heard a voice, you can clearly hear the response of, he found me. All right. We'll run that. It's freezing in here. A lot of conversation going on there. Reminds a me lot. of the, uh, the, in the basement where we got all of that stuff with Mike Markowitz down in the um, Bering house. Oh yeah, yeah. That's that's a that still creeps me out. Uh, and I'll, <laughs> I'll I'll send you that one, Tony, so you can hear it. It was from an old 1690 tavern. Nice. Uh, so, what were people hearing in this clip? Um, the next one or the one we just played? Uh, just, just tell them again what they, what they'll hear at, at the different intervals and I'll, I'll play it one more time. Okay. You can hear somebody say something about a pair of knuckles. You can hear, um, after I say, I just heard a voice. You can hear him say, um, he found me. Um, I can't remember what's after that. I know I just heard it, but I can't, uh, there's like five or six different sentences in there. So we'll just run it again. Yeah. 
right, we're good. All right, and uh, we probably have time to play one more out of what's left. Uh, do we want to play the Echo Vox one, or is there one in particular they want to make sure that we run? Yeah, can, can we have time for two real quick, really quick? Sure, I'll just play them one time, and then people can go back and listen on the podcast. Okay, great. Um, play the one um, that says the camera. This was a private home investigation. We were trying to identify whether there was something in the house. We had set up laser grids, motion detectors, night vision cameras, digital recording. And after all of that, this is what came through on an EVP as we were walking away and we asked if he could move. Can you walk up and down the hall for us? Well, I can play that one more time. Just tell people what they were hearing. What we hear is him telling us the camera is not working, which was absolutely correct. The night vision camera recorded nothing. All right, here we go. One more time. Can you walk up and down the hall for us? Yep, the camera is not working. All right, yep. we, we can squeeze in one and more. Then the, the, the last one's the Echo Vox. This was actually in the Phelps Dodge Hospital. Uh, there were a group of about four or five of us. We were asking questions. And the Echo Vox, which, like you said, is only tones and phonetics, not actual words. Um, I'll let you play it, and then if we have time, I'll tell you quickly what I hear. All right, which one is that? It's the one that says, who's that? Okay. Oh, uh, I may have, yeah, yeah, it's the one that says, who's that? Yep, here we go. Oh, yeah. So what were people hearing there? First it says, who's that? Then they say, Tony. Then they say, our friend. All right. One more time for you. All right. Well, Tony, thank you for joining us tonight and for sharing those with us. Real quick, if people want to reach out to you or if they want to book uh, the, the the hospital for an investigation, how can they reach out to you? They can reach out to me through um, contact at entityvoices.com email or on our entityvoices.com site. For the hospital, they can go to www.coppercanyonprc.com. All right, Tony, thanks again for joining us and look forward to talking with you more in the future. Sounds great. Have a wonderful evening. You too. And for everybody out there, we are just about out of time. Thank you for tuning in tonight. Glad we can get in a whole bunch of those before we ran out of time. Uh, If you want to hear them again, you can download the podcast, Spooky South Coast, wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be back next week with another program. Until then, we want you all out there to stay spooktacular.